0: The National Archives podcast series, How to Publish with the National Archives, presented by Dr. Hester Vasey, as part of our Writer of the Month series of talks. This talk will fall into three parts. In the first part, I'll offer some guidance on writing a history book proposal. Secondly, I'll outline the possible next steps on the path to publication once you have a proposal. And then thirdly, and finally, I'll focus on how to publish with the National Archives and explain some of the advantages of working in collaboration with us. So firstly, putting a book proposal together. Choosing a topic to write about can be challenging enough. It should be something that sustains your interest after the initial excitement about deciding to write a book is worn off. After you're a fair way into your project, your thoughts may turn to seeing your book in print. This is the time to start thinking about writing a book proposal. There are no hard and fast rules about precisely when you should write your proposal. Some people like to send off their proposal quite early um, in the writing process in the hope of securing a book contract, whereas other people like to get further along so that they know that this, the structure and the shape of the book. I'd say that if you're quite new to the writing experience, I'd write sev- at least several chapters and maybe an introduction before writing a book proposal, because then either the publishing house or a literary agent can then read your work and make judgments accordingly. Also, I'd say that the further you are into the process, the more knowledge that you'll have about the topic, and this will facilitate a more coherent and confident plan on paper. So what's the point of writing a book proposal? Essentially, it's a sales pitch. It explains what the book's about, but it also lays out why a particular topic is important and interesting, and how it's distinct from other books that are already available. Some literary agents and publishing houses have set forms that they like you to fill in instead of writing a proposal. And in fact, it's likely that each publishing house has specific guidelines, and these can be found under the submissions pages on their websites. There will also be slight variations in the content and tone of your proposal, depending on what kind of book you're writing, be it a history book aimed at children, one that's aimed at the trade market, or one at the academic market. Nonetheless, all publishing houses are probably looking for similar sorts of information, and so I hope in the next few minutes to provide some general guidance. You should probably reckon on producing, to start with, a succinct two-page proposal, which covers all of the features of the book that you're intending to write. The proposal should open with a compelling paragraph, similar to the blurb on the back of a book jacket, and the paragraph should really sell the topic. Above all, it should address some of the following questions. What is the aim of the book? Why is this topic interesting? Why will people want to read it? And what is unique about your approach? Other questions to consider are, is there any previously unseen material in the book? Will this book completely revolutionise our understanding of the topic? And in particular, is there a reason why this book should be written now? For example, an anniversary or a centenary? Now, I'm going to show you the first compelling paragraph that I wrote for my book proposal of surviving Hitler's war. This is an academic book about what German families went through during and after the Second World War. And obviously the tone may vary if you're writing for a more general trade market. I'm not suggesting this is a perfect model, but it's one that I had to hand. So this book recreates the experience of family life in Nazi Germany during and after the Second World War, telling the stories of mothers and fathers, sons and daughters, parents and children, in their own words. From desperate last letters sent to their loved ones by doomed soldiers at Stalingrad, to diaries kept by women trying to keep their families alive as the cities they lived in were devastated by constant bombing raids. This book presents a new and often unfamiliar account of family life under the most extreme conditions. So you can see I'm really trying to make the topic sound as appealing as possible. I've got another opening paragraph from one of the proposals we received here at the National Archives. Uh, This was a book about uh, Poland during the Second World War. And so I encouraged the writer to really big up his credentials. I've anonymised it, actually. But essentially, former soldier, Times obituary writer and established author presents The Polish Girl, a book which focused on the much-overlooked Polish perspective on the Second World War. Through the fascinating story of wartime heroine Christina Skarbek, one of the longest-serving SOE agents in World War II, readers will learn about factionalism, conspiracy and espionage and resistance in Poland during this momentous period of 20th century history. So you really want to be making big claims in this opening paragraph. Depending on the type of book, the second paragraph might discuss the original material used in the book. What sources do the, does the book use, and why are these sources the best for helping to fulfil the aim of the book? Are the sources particularly vivid? Have the files only been released into the public domain recently, and or did the author stumble across an untouched treasure trove of letters hiding in an attic somewhere? Ultimately, you need to spell out what is interesting about the historical material that you're planning to use. And again, i This is a section from my book proposal. This is just a section, and obviously, maybe for an academic book where you're really trying to situate your work within the wider field, perhaps it's slightly more detailed than a trade market, but you get the broad kind of sense of it, um, sort of really bigging up your sources. This book draws on a range of archival material, including diaries, social workers' reports, women's magazines, allied occupation reports, statistics and in particular, an enormous collection of hitherto unread wartime letters preserved in the Berlin Archive. And this is where I start to go into why letters are so great. The main way of keeping in touch during the war, letters give us a fascinating insight into couples' most private thoughts and feelings in wartime. Writers poured out their feelings onto the page as an emotional compensation for the toughness of war. So the idea is to really make your sources sound as appealing as possible, that readers will find it hard to resist them. So that's the aim of of that paragraph, I'd say. Of course, this may sound rather prescriptive, and as I said at the start, there are many ways to approach writing a book proposal, but these are just some of the points that um, somewhere you really ought to mention, and this is the kind of structure that I would suggest. The third paragraph in your proposal should then address competing works in the field. Who else has written on the topic Without undermining your own proposal, the proposal should mention at least three or four competing works in the field and explain how your proposed book is distinct from what is already out there. Does it contain new or previously overlooked material? Is it taking a new approach? Was this topic only addressed 20 years ago and is therefore ripe for reappraisal? Essentially, this paragraph needs to show why the proposed book will stand up in a competitive books market. And this is... um, my competing work section in my proposal, um, where I basically um, list some of the books in the field, explain what they're about, and then explain maybe it's not necessarily what the books were aiming to do, but maybe the limits of that book and why my work will fill that hole. So in the last few lines, I say, in contrast to these works, this book demonstrates the gulf between the public and private discourses. In considering the history of the family from below, that is in contrast to some of these other books. You've taken a more traditional political history approach from above, through emotional relationships between family members. This book recasts the social history of German families in this period in a radical new light. So you can see it's quite a, quite exaggerated in what you're claiming, but the, but the idea is to show where your book fits within the field and why and why it deserves its place in the market. The next section I'd suggest of your proposal would be chapter outlines from the introduction, the individual chapter summaries through to the conclusion in the bibliography. This should provide a kind of skeleton for your book. The size of the chapter summaries will depend on, on the specific requirements of the um the publishing house or the literary agent and the, the size of the proposal they want generally. But probably um at least to start with, three or four <coughs> sentences should suffice to say what the chapter's about and again why it's important and interesting. And at the end of this section I would suggest you would want to include some logistical material such as how many words will the book be, and how many pictures are you planning to include. Both of those things affect the costing of a book, which the publisher will take into account. And also perhaps you'd want to mention when you're planning to deliver the text, which could sometimes be a year before the publication date of the book. So if you're thinking of working towards an anniversary, you'd need to factor that time for the production and the marketing of the book. So the proposal now requires two final paragraphs. One paragraph about the target audience, one paragraph about the author. The paragraph about the target audience should spell out who do you think is likely to read your book. Does the topic tie into GCSE or A-level syllabuses or courses at university? You could mention other sensationally popular books in the field which suggest that there is a ready market for your particular topic. You should also consider whether your book is something that will appeal to international audiences. If you think it is, explain why you think that's the case, as this is a major asset to publishers who are looking to sell their titles further afield. This is the target audience taken from uh, the author who was writing about Poland during the Second World War, and he outlines some of the different um, markets he sees as potential readers. So he explains that through working with Bloomsbury in the National Archives and through his work with the Times, he'd hoped to market the book that way, and that there are 350 to 400,000 Poles who living in uh, the UK, 9.9 million people of Polish descent in the US, as well as Polish expatriates in France, Germany, Italy and the Balkans, who you all think potentially might be interested uh, in learning more about Poland during World War II. So the final paragraph should possibly should be about the author. So in this paragraph, you'd really want to think about why are you the best person to write this book Do you have particular experience or knowledge in this area? Have you written before? And if so, it'd be good to name your publications and maybe the sales figures of your books. Again, it's about selling your attributes as an author to the publishing houses. And here's an example of what an about the author section will look like. But of course, this will vary hugely on what your personal uh, strengths are. As a professional historian, Dr Joe Bloggs has spent the past decade specialising in the history of modern Britain. He has three journal articles and a prize-winning book to his name, and is furthermore used to writing for a general audience through his contributions to the book's pages of many broadsheets and magazines. So I'd say overall, a good guide for a book proposal is the following six headings. First of all, an overall pitch akin to a blurbs on the book jackets. Secondly, a paragraph explaining the selling points of your source material, if that's appropriate. Thirdly, a section on competing works. Fourthly, your chapter summaries. Fifth, who are your target audience. And sixth, a paragraph about you as an author. Finally, I'd say it's good to get some feedback from others before sending your proposal off. If you know someone who's already published a book, perhaps you could ask them to read your proposal with a critical eye. They may be able to point out places where perhaps you could explain something more clearly or where you could, should provide some more detail, even <coughs> down to the basic sort of feedback of spotting typos that you may have missed. All of these are the kinds of things that might put off a publishing house or a literary agent. So secondly, how do you get your proposal out there? The next trick, once you've written a proposal that you're happy with, is working out where best to send it. You may want to look at the publishing houses who published competing titles in the field. This may mean that they're interested in publishing more books in that field of history. In the case of non-fiction, some publishing houses accept submissions directly from authors. In the case of fiction, and usually in the case of big commercial publishing houses, submissions are only looked at if they're received from a literary agent. Many authors therefore try and get a literary agent and if they're successful the agent then works on their behalf to secure a book contract with the publishing house. If you make a list of the publishing houses that you'd most like your work to be published with you could then look at the websites of these uh, publishing houses and work out what they're wanting from their proposals. Do they accept submissions directly or would you need an agent if you want to publish with them? A fantastic book which can help where best to send your proposal is the Writers and Artists Yearbook, which you may be familiar with. This contains brief descriptions of many agents and publishing houses outlining the types of submissions that they're interested in and providing their contact details. So finally, publishing with the National Archives, and this is where it becomes a little bit of a sales pitch of my own. At the National Archives, the publishing department does accept history submissions directly The National Archives used to have its own publishing imprint um, but since 2010 we've worked in collaboration with a range of publishing houses to co-brand titles. Essentially when an author approaches us with a proposal we then put feelers out amongst our contacts in the publishing world and see if they would be interested in working together with us on the book. We accept proposals for all kinds of history books, be it non-fiction, general trade titles, academic titles, reference titles, and children's books, but all of the proposals must draw on at least some material held in our collections. Some of our recent titles have included two books about the Titanic, which we (laughs) produced in Bloomsbury um, last year, um, and some family history books, which are very popular, such as The Genealogist's Internet and Tracing Your Caribbean Ancestors, as well as another popular book, uh, The UFO Files, which very heavily draw on our material. Forthcoming titles that we're allowed to talk about include a facsimile of the Beeching Report, which we are producing with Harper C- Collins, hopefully to capitalise on the uh, enthusiasm for uh, Michael Portillo talking about Bradshaw's railway guides, um, <laughs> as well as um, a series of children's books called The Past and Pictures, and uh, another um, duo like this with Bloomsbury on the Great Plague. In some cases the titles draw really heavily from our material, but in other cases the titles use just a handful of images from our collection. You may be wondering what the benefits are of working in collaboration with the National Archives as opposed to just simply working directly with a publishing house for a history title. And I'd say essentially there are three main benefits of working in a co-branded relationship. Firstly, it's no secret that a brilliant book is doomed to languish in obscurity if it doesn't have the support of of good marketing. Authors who publish in a co-branded relationship not only have the support of the marketing team at the publishing house, they also have the marketing and uh, press departments here also working on their behalf. What does that amount to, you might sceptically ask. Um, Each title we work with is promoted in the archives monthly newsletter which has 184,000 subscribers and every co-branded title will also be promoted in our on-site bookshop but also perhaps more crucially in our online bookshop which is part of the National Archives website and that receives 23 million hits per year so not bad marketing I'd say. Likewise our press department has ongoing relationships with many freelance journalists who regularly write history-related features, and um, through them, the press department's able to tip off these journalists about forthcoming books, and these journalists could potentially review the titles. That's at least our hope. And finally, that the co-branded authors are offered the chance to do a talk about their book at the National Archives, along with the signing. So there are a number of promotional benefits that means it's quite a compelling prospect for history writers to work with the National Archives. So alongside the promotional benefits of working with the archive, the second key benefit is the support with research that we're able to provide. Our in-house experts are able to guide authors towards interesting and relevant material uh, for their work. This can vary from project to project. In some cases, we're involved very early on, suggesting interesting document series that they might be interested in exploring or even sending um, a few copies of, of documents to the author. In other cases, we read an author's complete manuscript and then suggest some additional visual material that we can provide from our collections. On a practical level, we are also able to order up documents for authors in advance and generally make the process of research a little easier. Authors can obviously research topics by themselves, as many do, but our in-house experts have often worked here for decades, and so they're able to um, access and and find obscure and overlooked material that perhaps... um, a researcher who is using the archives for the first time might miss. So I'd say our content expertise can be extremely beneficial for the authors. And the third and final advantage I'd say of publishing with us at the National Archives is our well-known and well-trusted brand within the field of history. All of our co-branded titles, as you can see, have the National Archives logo them and this brand provides authenticity and respectability to these titles since it shows that the authors have worked with original documentation. So overall I'd say there are compelling reasons to venture down the co-branded path. Of course um, In return for our efforts, the the publishing department then takes, once we've agreed to work on a book, the publishing department would take a percentage of the royalty for the book or a flat fee, but that would be something that once it was all agreed would be negotiated between us and the publishing house. And since publishing is such a competitive business, not all submissions will unfortunately be successful, but we do try to respond to all submissions within six weeks. Anyway, I hope this talk has given you some insight into the publishing process in general and in particular some insight into how we work as a publishing department here. Thanks. This talk was recorded on the 15th of January 2013 at the National Archives, Kew. The podcast is copyrighted to the National Archives.